Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. That's SalvationArmyUSA.org. A special episode of Wizards After Dark today. For now, it's just me, but in a couple of minutes, uh, it's going to be with Bradley Beal, who was kind enough to get on the phone with me last week or a week and a half ago and and talk to me about a million things, Wizards. Uh, just some background before I splice into the, the Bradley Beal interview. So um, I have a story up on The Athletic that went up. Part one went up on Sunday morning. Part two went up on Monday morning. At the time I'm recording this, it's not even up yet. But by the time you're listening to it, it will be. So you can go check that out over at The Athletic, by the way. Uh, and and we have a free 90-day trial out there right now. So if you're on social media or whatever, I'm going to tweet out that story, obviously, when everything is up. Just go check my Twitter, find that link, click on that link. You can sign up for a free 90-day trial. And if you want to get a discount on an annual membership, you can sign up for 40% off at theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark2. I've been working on that story in bits and pieces on and off basically since October. At the very beginning of the year, I was in a Wizards training camp because they opened up the end of training camp. And uh, just some background on how this came about. Uh, but but at the beginning of the year, they, they opened up the end of training camp practices and the Wizards were still scrimmaging. It was like the first week, eight days or something like that into training camp. They had just played their preseason opener against the Knicks and Bradley Beal ended up yelling at Thomas Bryant about something, which is in that story. I don't want to blow everything in the story, but but it's in that story. And I was there and I witnessed the whole thing. And I wrote down what was said. And I didn't do anything with it. Because I figured, you know, I think a couple people tweeted about, hey, Bradley Beal was yelling at Thomas Bryant today and, you know, used the, you know, got into an altercation or whatever you wanted to call it. They got into it at practice. And there was nothing physical. And, And to me... It didn't really look like the typical things that you hear about when you get those viral practices, so-and-so got into it in practice, right? It was it was more of Bradley Beal is trying to impart something onto Thomas Bryant. And so I held on to it because I, I, I didn't, when you're a journalist, you play that role of like, is it newsworthy? Do I need to get it out now? Or is it something I can hold on for a feature? And I thought it was something I could hold on to for a feature. And what I really wanted to touch at the beginning was I wanted to broach the topic of confrontational leadership and how common it is in the NBA and getting fans to see, all right, Bradley Beal yelled at Thomas Bryant, but Bradley Beal yells at Thomas Bryant and Thomas Bryant yells at Bradley Beal a lot and they're close and the relationship isn't fractured. This is just the way things tend to go behind the curtain. Now, I wanted to have that pull, you know, pull the curtain behind or let people behind the curtain, whatever the expression is, so they could see kind of what's going on in those sorts of interactions. So I waited about a week, two weeks, whatever it was. They had cooled down real quickly after that, but I, I wanted there to be some time for them to, for that not to be in the immediate sea of the moment. I didn't want them to think oh, I'm going out there and I'm, I'm trying to sensationalize something. So I went up to those guys about a week later, two weeks later, whatever it was, it was still in October. And I, I told them what I wanted to write about, about confrontational leadership and all that. And, and Thomas Bryant was totally open to it. 
was wonderful in the interview. I used one quote from him in the story, which I thought was just really candid and, and open and really cool of him to talk about it to that degree. And um, I used some of what Bradley Beal told me in that story. And they kind of had the same thing. Like, yeah, it's it, their, their thesis was, this is incredibly common. Not with the Wizards, with every single team that cares about winning in the NBA. And I spoke to Troy Brown about it. He had a very similar take. Troy had said to me, even in the interview, like, I feel like everyone's going to make it a big deal, but it's actually not a big deal. And I said, okay, great. Just, just tell me why. Tell me why it's not a big deal. And he was super helpful on it as well. And I feel like I wanted to let the players tell that side of the story. And then, and then it kind of turned into something bigger of, all right, John Wall is out from the start of the year. It's the first time in Bradley Beal's life that he's entering the year as the number one guy in the locker room because John was always kind of the extrovert for extrovert from a young age. Brad was never that. He was so much more reserved. He was quieter. He kind of had to be prodded by coaches to get him to be more vocal and that kind of stuff. And this was the first time in his eight years, you know, John had been hurt, but the year before John gets hurt in the middle of the year, the year before that John gets hurt in the middle of the year, you get into training camp, and it was whether you want to have the debate, John Wall's team, it's Bradley Beal's team, whatever. It's it's their team. You know, they're the two top guys. John has Brad and Brad has John. And this year, that wasn't the case. When you're hurt, you're on the side. You can't play that role. You can't play that vocal role. You can't call those guys out in games and practices. It's just not the same thing. You're not there all the time. You're not there mentally all the time. You're not there on the court to notice things. It just isn't. John Wall can be a leader in his own way, but it's just not how it works. Bradley Beal was clearly the top guy this year. I think everyone would agree with that. No one to be able to chronicle that. So I went back to Brad again in the middle of the year, and we talked about leadership again. Uh, And then I was able to get him on the phone about a week and a half ago, like I said, and I, I told him we've been having these progressive conversations about leadership and philosophy. Let's talk about how you reflect on the job you did this year what more is there to know? And I, I knew I wanted to put this piece together at some point. And I'm excited about what we did. It's it's really in-depth. It's two parts. Part one really focuses on the evolution of Brad from this really quiet kid into this really vocal stand-up voice in the Wizards locker room. A guy who can get really intense and show that he can get really intense and can be really loud both literally and figuratively. And I wanted to focus on that for part one. And part two was pretty much what we just talked about. A lot of it is from this interview, though not all of it. And I think it's still very much worth checking out over on The Athletic uh, just to just to kind of see how Brad reflected on this year and, and what he had to say about he was very self-critical. You're going to see in this interview about things that he thinks he should have done better, could have done better, could have done differently, all those things. Uh, this interview was done on the phone. It wasn't your usual podcast type of stuff. So I recorded it on the phone. So it's not perfect podcast audio. So I apologize for that. But I thought it would be worth running on here because I thought it would be cool for the listeners to listen to to Bradley Beal have a really in-depth conversation about leadership philosophy and his mom and how his mom tried to make him more intense and, and all these different things. So if you enjoyed the story, I think you're definitely going to enjoy the interview. If you enjoy the interview, I think you should definitely go check out that story. Now, this is not the whole interview that I did. I was on the phone with Brad for probably a little bit more than a half an hour, but we we touched on a number of topics. I'm going to have a few more stories coming out over the next, I don't know, however many weeks, weeks, months. We got to see, man. 
we don't have sports now, so I, I'm, I'm going to string this out and going to get a few more stories out of it. This is just our conversation about leadership. So it's it's been edited down and a couple parts have been edited out because I'm saving some other things for some other stories. But we, we had a, a really nice conversation. Brad was really open and I thought incredibly candid throughout. Anyway, I'm just going to splice him right now. Here's my conversation with Bradley Beal. So I've asked you a number of times throughout the year because i kind of been working on a progressive piece that I wanted to run when the season was over. I've asked you about like leadership at different points of the year a number of times. Now I'm wondering with with the season, whether it's over or not, this is this is a break to kind of reflect, and I'm sure you've done some reflecting um, from a lot from a from a work in the locker room leadership perspective. What do you think you did well this year? What do you think you could do better next year? Hmm. You know, I'm always I'm always myself is great. I, I I feel like. Are you referencing like the couple moments, like uh, like the Chicago game this year, that kind of stuff? Is that what you mean? Uh, yes and no. Like those moments probably not be as I won't say public, but like out and open about it or visible with it. Mm-hmm. Just kind of you know in a locker room, you know behind closed doors. But at the same time, they also just show my passion for the game. So it's not like a starting shitting on my teammates or anything like that or my team. But you know, I just want more out of everybody. I want more out of myself. I want more out of us, you know, so, uh, yeah. I was talking to Billy Donovan about you. Yeah. And, uh, cause I know Billy well, cause I covered Billy for two years in OKC and I was talking to Billy about you and Billy was saying that when he had you for your freshman year, that you were kind of very reserved and, yeah. and he had to kind of, he said he kind of had to push you into a leadership role. And he meant it in a very complimentary way. He was talking about how, like, you were such kind of like a nice, quiet kid that you didn't want to step on the older guy's toes. And he felt like he had to push you to be like, no, Brad, like, I want you doing this. Like, I want you talking. Was, what was it like then? Were you comfortable when Billy was pushing you to do that stuff? Or were you more comfortable with kind of the original role of just kind of taking a step back and being the, the listener and observer? Everybody liked me. Like that was 
that was my biggest thing because everything was new. I didn't know anybody. I was going to a whole other state. I was by myself. Like it was, it was fresh and new for me. So it was, it was definitely different. I was definitely deserved. I was to myself, and then sure enough, it, it was like midway through the season. And coach, literally one day, I, I don't, I forget what it was. It was either in practice, film, whatever the case may be. But coach literally said. I need you to be more of a leader. I need you to be more vocal. I need you to hold guys accountable. I need you, you know, to be that guy, you know, being in the gym first, being the last one to leave like you always do, but also being vocal about it, like telling guys to work out with you, like telling guys to work hard, like telling guys when they mess up on defense. And for me, that was like, so you want me to yell at a senior? And it was kind of weird at first, but initially, like when I did it, he backed me. And he supported me. And so it was like, well, okay, well, damn, okay, well, maybe I get it. And so sure enough, I think the rest of the year, it just got to the point to where he was like, Brad is, is the leader of the team. Like, we're going through that. And when I got to the league, the same thing happened to me my first, my rookie year. Like, I was reserved. I didn't want to step on any toes. And especially now, I'm playing with grown-ass men, like 30-year-olds. You know, with kids, like I'm supposed to tell him what to do, and so for me that was difficult, and and it was weird, and uh, it got to the point to where Randy Whitman had to kind of do the same thing. He kind of had to force me into that. Like, granted, I had great vets to learn from, and you know, soak up knowledge from, but Randy also came in a lot. Uh, I want to say year two or three, and really forced me into that as well. Are are you still kind of because like? There's no one way to lead, right? Like, you kind of have to do it based on your own personality. So so considering that, like, you at the beginning were kind of pushed and encouraged to take that role and kind of how I, you know, I've only covered you for two years, so I've kind of seen you more as a front-of-the-locker room guy, right? Is is that a thing you're more comfortable with now? Or are there still moments where you kind of revert to old Brad and think this feels this feels weird? Just showing that 
you know, that you're engaged, that you love your team, like, but I feel like those are those are the qualities that you're either born with or you don't have them. Who's the best leader you've been around? Mm, LeBron. Yeah? Why LeBron? I would say my first All-Star game, and I would say that because, granted, he was, you know, he was an OG vet in the room, but, like, he was the most vocal with everything. Like, he was the most vocal. His game prep before the game, like, it was, like, he was going through game seven in the finals. And just, uh, it was it was just his, his aura. Like, everybody, like, when he spoke, everybody was attentive. Like, it was just, he was, his IQ for the game was crazy. So I would say him. Like, it, granted, it was only for, like, a brief time. But I would say him. But maybe who I've played with, Mm, I would say I had a lot of good bets. I had a lot of good bets. Trey Reaver, Al Harrington, Martel Webster. Uh, I thought you were going to say Garrett Temple. Yeah, G-10. I had a lot, man. I had a lot. I would say Temple's my favorite teammate. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves that guy. When when did your mom when did your mom coach you? What what age? Oh, five, five, six. I was about five, six years old. She uh yeah, she started teaching how to shoot and uh then actually the first sport I played was it baseball? Maybe like T ball or something, but basketball and football ended up being my favorite sport. I love football honestly more than basketball. And it just got to the point to where mom said we had to stick with basketball. Whoever recruited me first in high school, that's what we stuck with. And so my first offer was from Kansas and as a freshman. And she, uh, she was like, that's it for football. But yeah, she taught me since I was five. Still to this day, she, she's, a, she's a shooting coach. I love, I love that she called Scott Brooks when he got the call, when he got the job, and uh, told him to yell at you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think it's yeah. hilarious. That's how my parents are. Like, <laughs> my mom and dad, like, they... It's funny because when Brooks signed is when I signed my five here. So, literally at the press conference, that's the first time they got to, they got to meet. And uh, my dad was like, you know you can cuss his ass out. Like, he's... If he's messing up in any way, shape, or form, like, you let him have it. And Brooks is like, I will. <laughs> but literally, they know, like, they're right. Like, I, I like that type of coaching. Like, not everybody likes that. Mm-hmm. And so, granted, that's how my mom coached me. Like, my mom, I always say my mom coached me harder than any coach I've ever played for. Like, she's, she's tough. Like, nobody's ever made me quit, want to quit, but my mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody's that- ever made me want to give up the game, like, hang up the shoes, like, but my mom. Does that come home with you? Because, like, when your parent is coaching you, that you can either leave it on the court and then you come home for dinner and everything's forgotten. Or does the conversation continue to the dinner table? Oh, my mom, my mom, she let that shit hang over your head for weeks. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, you better fix it ASAP or she, she's going to keep talking about it. And, 
and we're going to stay there. It's either we're going to stay in the gym and get it right, or, you know, she's going to get sick of it and say we're going to go home, and she's going to get there ear for on the way home and when we get home. So it's, it's always nonstop with moms, for sure. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so you had an input in, uh, in decisions and stuff last summer for the organization. Uh, assuming that you guys, because I don't think you guys are going to play at least no more regular season, considering the schedule, what's happening with the schedule now. Assuming that you guys return to the offseason now, do you know what you want to see from the organization this summer, generally? It's, it's tough, you know, because we didn't get to finish. And, but granted, it's, you still have a vision of it. You know, you still want to see us make a, a move, you know, a positive move this summer. You know, granted, we'll be able to have the ability to do something. Uh, so, you know, you, you always lean on that and you trust the organization to be able to do it. And, you know, the fact that they, you know, give me a little bit of input and, you know, want my opinion on who to go get and, you know, who I like. Uh, I think that's, that's a plus for me. Uh, but at the same time, you do you do want to win, and you do want you know you do want the organization to be heading in the right direction. So, I know you guys didn't end up with the win loss record you would hope for, but right. were you were you encouraged by this year on the whole? Yeah, I mean we all we came into the year knowing that you know the year was going to be what it was, and uh, but I think the biggest thing for us is did we get better? Did we grow? Did our young guys grow? You know, um, how can we be better? You know, do where's pieces, a few lineups out there that we liked, like how can we implement those with John, like just being able to factor those in, and I think, you know, we have a few positives, we have, I won't say a few, we have a lot of positives, you know, I think we have a lot of, we have a lot of growth in our players, we have a lot of upside in them too, uh, so I think just with the opportunities that a lot of guys had this year, I think it'll be a big confidence boost moving into next year, and hopefully, you know, with John coming back, we can add some pieces in the summer, you know, we can, we can, we can be ready to go. I know, I know you knew going into this year that, like, expectations have got to be muted, especially just because, like, John's hurt, right? Was it different living through it than it was? Because it's one thing to know it intellectually, right? It's another thing to experience yeah. it emotionally. Was it different yeah. going through it than what you anticipated it would be? Yeah, I was a little naive to it. I was. I kind of downplayed it. Uh, I thought it was, I won't say be easier, but I didn't think it would be... I guess that's, I won't say it's stressful, but I, I guess I didn't think it would be as tough as it was. Like, it was, ooh, it was a handful. Like, being able to handle double teams on the 90 basis, uh, being able to deal with all the injuries we had throughout the year, uh, you know, guys in and out of the lineup, um, guys on minutes, sometimes I was on minutes, uh, you know, just, just, it was tough. It was a, it was a rough one. You know, and it was one of those things to where, you know, me, I'm always optimistic and thinking that, you know, we can be good, you know, we can compete, we can we can compete with anybody. Uh, you know, but at the same time reality also kicks in and, you know, we we just we just we were we were we were failing this marriage, you know, we weren't good defensively. Uh we we were kind of all over the place at on offense at times, you know, so we were we were kind of I guess Young, that's what it was. We were young. You know, we didn't have that experience. We didn't have, uh, I guess, the, the continuity on the floor. You know, granted, we had a lot of guys, like I said before, in and out of the lineups. We traded guys. We added new pieces.
What are, what are uh, what are some of those positives you saw? Oh man, just our growth. You know, I, I feel like I can go down the line and name something great about you know every player that we have and something they have to look forward to and next year if we have them back. Um, you know, our young group is just. I feel like they they work extremely hard. They they're. I feel like they have skills and talents that they don't even know they have. Um, you know, and I think the experience helped out a lot. I think. I think the fact that we compete, I think the fact that we don't give up uh, is what I love the most. Um, because granted, you know, in years past, we always felt like that's been our Achilles heel. Like, we would come in after the game and tell the media, yeah, we didn't play hard tonight. We didn't play hard tonight. We didn't give it all. And it's like, and the kind of questions you all ask is why, 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 why? This year, I feel like we never had that problem. It was just IQ plays, you know, messing up here, you know, giving up 100 plus points every night. So, you know, I feel like our problems this year we can honestly fix. And I think we have a young group who's committed to doing that. We have a young group who's, uh, you know, who's very committed to winning, who's committed to getting better, you know, who coach, you know, still has full control and attention on. And, uh, you know, I think, I think our upside is huge. You know, I'm going to continue to get better. John's going to come back and hopefully be, you know, be that five-time all-star he was. And, you know, we can just take off on it. Thanks, guys, for taking the time to listen to my interview with Brad. Again, if you want to check out that piece, you can go to The Athletic. And it's not just one piece. It's it's a part one that's that's really, really in-depth and, and involves a lot of interviews that are not with Brad and a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about in that interview, uh, if only because we talked about them in other interviews or I have anecdotes from Randy Whitman and Scott Brooks and about his mother and, and all these all these different things, which I thought were fun to put through. And you can... Read part one, which came out Sunday, like I said, and part two, which came out Monday morning. And you can check those both out over on The Athletic. Subscribe, not just to The Athletic, subscribe to a local journalism site or newspaper or something that you appreciate. Local journalism is doing so poorly in this time, and it's so important. As a journalism nerd, as somebody who, you know, my dad used to make me read the newspaper Every morning, start when I was about nine years old, I had to read at least one story from the newspaper. And I've I've always loved journalism. I've always loved sports journalism. Obviously, subscribe to something if you want. If you want that thing to be the athletic, that's great. We are offering a free ninety day trial right now. If you love sports and you want awesome sports content, I don't know why you wouldn't take it up on that. It's super easy. Go to any of my stories. If you're not a subscriber, you click on the link. Right there in huge letters, you can see the offer for a 90-day free trial. You just click on that. You sign up. You get three months of awesome sports coverage from amazing sports writers. Our baseball team is crazy. Our basketball team is crazy. Uh, we just we have so many good people with so much good content, and, and you will get it for free for three months. I don't know why everybody who's a sports fan wouldn't wouldn't be taking advantage of that right now and just sign up for that 90-day free trial. If you want to get a deal while it's still offering, you just want to get a deal right off the bat for a year-long subscription, you can go to Wizards After Dark or you can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and that's going to get you 40% off on an annual subscription. 36 bucks for the entire year. You get all the athletic coverage, coverage to everything. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. That's free. That costs you nothing ever. So subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes. Give us five stars. Leave a review. The reviews really help. If you enjoy the show, going on there, taking the time to leave a review always, always really helps. I'm going to be back with another episode next week. 
I'll be having a cool guest on next week as well. So I'm really excited to do that. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Please go check out that piece. I, I spent that series there that I don't know if it's a series It's two parts, a series that two part, whatever I, uh, I spent a long time working on that and I was, I was up very late many nights writing and, uh, I, I, I would love for Wizards fans to be able to enjoy it and be able to get to know their star player a little bit better too. Cause I think there were a lot of anecdotes in there that are, that are fun. I especially love the stuff with his mom. Uh, but check that out. Subscribe, subscribe to everything, subscribe to everyone. I'll be back next week. I'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>